covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as uh, the offseason is here. The baseball offseason has arrived. Free agency is officially open, but don't expect many moves here for a while. I think this is going to be a very, very, very slow offseason, and baseball teams are going to continue to evaluate what next year might look like and the more information that they might have. Uh, they might be able to start making some decisions. So I would not, this is not the NBA where the offseason opens up and boom, you got a bunch of deals coming in right and left. Uh, we, we, we're going to look forward. This past week, the Brewers made some decisions on declining some options. And I think that gives us a little bit of an insight on what this offseason might look like. So I kind of want to focus in on that today. More about that in a moment. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review, that would be be awesome. And I would very much uh, appreciate that. Andrew Wagner is our uh, featured guest this week as uh, he covers the Brewers for the Wisconsin State Journal and also contributes to Forbes Sports, and uh, he is going to join us here in just a few minutes. Look, there's, I'm putting a disclaimer on this program. Unfortunately, when it gets into the offseason and when we look into next season, it's really hard to do that without considering the, the public health situation that our country is going through right now. Unfortunately, that has turned into a very political issue, and this podcast is not a political podcast or anywhere near it, but when we do talk about baseball issues, we need to talk about them through the filter of what's going on in the country that's going to impact it. So uh, my conversation with Andrew Wagner is... I, when I was doing it, and I've already recorded it, and I'm recording the uh, the start to finish the podcast after I've recorded my conversation with Andrew, so I already know the direction that we go in. At times, I felt like I was being an alarmist, that I almost a fear monger, and I'm really not doing that. Um, but the uncertainty that is sitting there for next season. I think is motivating many baseball decisions. Now, are some of these decisions also being motivated by the lack of income that came in this past season? Yeah, absolutely. And teams did not make the money that they were expecting to make. Some teams, there there are some reports out there that they lose money. There are some reports that say they just didn't make as much money as they normally do. Look, they played a 60-game schedule, so player cost was down. But that that probably was not made up for. uh, Maybe it was made up for in the close to billion dollars that they made in the postseason. I don't know. Nobody's going to open up the book. So we we really don't know where they were at. But I think what the... What the bigger concern at this point in time, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. But I think the 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 level of discomfort with not knowing what next season is going to look like. You know, when you think about this past season, they they play they paid player salaries for a 60 game regular season. 
And they'll tell you, and there's no reason to, like, I'm not even accusing them of not telling the truth. They'll tell you that every time they started a game in a home ballpark during the course of the year, they lost money on the deal. I believe that. I absolutely believe that because of the revenue that was not coming in. And even uh, that's especially true in a, in a market like Milwaukee, where your local TV deal with Fox Sports Wisconsin is not bringing in the revenue that the local television deals are going to make in other markets. So I'll, I'll take their word for it on that. The question was, the, the expanded playoff, was that enough to make up for what they, uh, what, what they lost during the regular season? They made close to a billion dollars over the course of the postseason. That's a lot of money. Now, if, if they lost money, if they didn't make up for the player cost over the course of the, uh, the 60 games, they were in like the the relative neighborhood. You know, the the, the neighborhood when we're talking about billionaires is uh, it, it, it's it's a lot easier to get to that neighborhood in terms of being close enough than when we're talking about people who don't make that kind of money. But they were, I would have to think that they were somewhere in the neighborhood. But if they would have played 162 games, all of a sudden the cost of players probably takes that to a much much further level where maybe the postseason money that they make not in the neighborhood anymore. So that's where I look to next season. We don't know if fans are going to be allowed in the stands. We don't know what's going on. There is there is a possibility that one of these vaccines that's being developed right now works and they get the mass distribution of it and things are really starting to get back to normal as we approach baseball season. That is a possibility. But there's also a possibility of the exact opposite of that happening and us coming out of a a really tough winter. We we just don't know what it's going to look like. So I think, and I I really think I'm right on this, I think at this point, whether you're an owner, whether you're a general manager, the idea during the course of the offseason is to basically delay as many decisions as possible to get a better idea of what next season is going to look like. So when they make the decisions this past week, and they made the decision to decline the option on Ryan Braun, that that was expected. It actually bugged me. I was doing Brewers Weekly uh, this past week, uh, Thursday nights, eight o'clock to nine o'clock. WTMJ, if you want to uh, listen in, there's my uh, there's my shameless plug. But I was doing Brewers Weekly, and maybe 15, 20, 25 minutes before I went on the air, that's when the news broke that they were going to uh, decline the option on Ryan Braun. I say the news broke. You can almost use air quotes on that because we all knew they were not going to pay him $15 million. I don't think that changes anything about whether or not he's going to be back with the Brewers or not. He still has to make the decision on if he wants to retire. And then once he makes that decision, yes or no, that he and the Brewers can come back together to figure out a potential deal. But they were never going to pay him the $15 million next year. That was not news. That was the opposite of news. So I'm starting off the show and I, I commented, you know, there, there were going to be people who took the lazy narrative that um, that this is some sort of really, really big story. It was noteworthy. It's, it's worth mentioning. He's one of the top players in uh, organizational history. Yeah, mention that the that, that that's happening. But again, it's newsworthiness in the sense of like breaking news and what it means. It doesn't mean anything. It didn't change anything. And lo and behold, before I even got done with that program, got an app push from uh, one of the uh, major sports uh, websites that read Brewers declined former MVP Ryan Braun's option, ending his run with them at 14 years. That's like, no, it doesn't. And it, 
the the frustrating thing about that was I I then I clicked on it. It was I, I wanted to see if the story backed up what that app pushed, what that headline said. And it didn't. The person who who wrote the story wrote you know laid it out pretty well that there's a possibility that he could be back. But whoever sent that app push made it that way, and that was just frustrating because that's that's not true. That's not the narrative. So even though it was Ryan Braun, even though that he is now a free agent. That wasn't the story of the week. To me, the story was more about the other three players that they declined options on, and more specifically, one player. They were never going to bring back Eric Sogard. They were never going to pick up his option. Uh, ben Gamble is still under club control, so with him declining his option, they can probably still get him back maybe at a lesser number than they would have. The big one was Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko had a really good season this past year. Really good season this past year. And his club option was for $4.5 million. He gets a $1 million buyout, so they're going to pay him a $1 million not to be back. So really, the the actual cost of bringing a Jed Jerko back would have been $3.5 million because you're paying him that $1 million to go away. And not that $3.5 million is nothing. Clearly, that's a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, I think you can look at Jed Jerko. I think you can look at his production from this past season. I think you can look at his track record. You know, the year before he did not play all that great, but what he did this past year lines up pretty well with what he has done through much of his career. And you can you can easily make the argument that he was worth that money to bring back, but they were not willing to commit to him the four and a half million dollars or the the three and a half million dollars more than the uh, buyout that they had on the contract. And that tells you everything you need to know about what this offseason is going to look like. There's going to be a lot of one-year deals. There's going to be a lot of low numbers. i got to think that there's going to be a lot of free agents still available as spring training is starting to open up. Teams are not going to be overly willing to spend money. And the Jed Jerko decision this past week, if there was any doubt, I think we could all – I've said that before, but we probably didn't know to what level, how extreme that was going to be. And this is not just a Brewers thing. You can go to Google and – uh, search decline option or uh, uh, placed on waivers, like whatever it might be, and you're going to find a bunch of stories from Major League Baseball teams doing that right now. This is not a Brewers-only thing, and it's uh, we just don't know what it's going to look like. I would have to think they'd love to have Jed Jerko back, but at what number? And it, what number are other teams going to be willing to pay? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer to that question, but to say that that was not a very very noticeable thing that happened when they did not pick up his option, not only did he put up good numbers, he plays positions where the Brewers kind of have needs right now. They don't exactly have a third baseman. They don't exactly have a first baseman, and those are the positions that Jerko is able to play. I don't know what it means. I don't know what this offseason is going to look like, except to say that it's going to be slow. Now, I do think, and we'll get into this with Andrew Wagner here in a little bit when we actually talk baseball and not just pandemic-related stuff. I do think that the um, the ability to get guys on one-year contracts this year might actually benefit the Brewers because there's not that long-term financial commitment. And if nobody in baseball is spending money, well, then perhaps... The Brewers are going to be the Brewers have a have a reputation right now as a place that players want to play, good fan support, assuming fans are going to be in the stands, 
very good clubhouse atmosphere led by their manager and Craig Council. Competitive window. You have one of the best players walking the face of the earth and Christian Yelich on the team. There's a lot of reasons that the Brewers are an organization and a franchise that would be appealing. So if if players are going to be looking for a one-year deal, and if I was a player, I'd be looking for a one-year deal. I see that teams are not going to be spending money this offseason. I want things to return to some level of normalcy before I'd be willing to sign some sort of multi-year contract because I don't have the confidence that I'm going to be able to monetize myself at the highest level this year. So if I can go pick up a one-year contract and try this again next year and hope that next year things are a little bit more normal, that would be the direction that I would go if I was a baseball free agent. That's just that's just me. I'm not a baseball free agent. And it's really easy for me to say that when I'm a guy who talks about uh, talks about baseball. All right, so um, yeah, we, we say all that to say this. Let's get to our featured conversation this week. Very happy to welcome back uh, a guy who uh, covers the Brewers for the Wisconsin State Journal. He's a contributor to Forbes Sports. Uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner. Always love having him on. He is Andrew Wagner. Hey, Andrew, it's the offseason. Uh, how, is, how is life for you when there's not a baseball game to cover? Good. It's kind of relaxing. Uh, you know, catching up on all the, the housework and yard work that kind of uh, went by the wayside over the course of the season. I want to get into some of the things that happened over the course of the past week, and I think it's going to be a really interesting off season for baseball, and that that may not be a good thing, but we knew it was going to be that way coming out of uh, a year where fans were not allowed in the stands. But let's start with something that I didn't think was really news, but of course people glommed onto it like it was news, and that was the announcement that the Brewers would not be picking up their half of the mutual option on Ryan Braun. To me, this doesn't change anything. They were never going to pay him that money next year. It doesn't change the chances of him uh, being back next season or not. But what it did do is it was a it was a piece of news that certainly got people at least talking about it. What was your takeaway from just just the very expected decision of not picking up that option? Uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Matt. You know, the, the chance of the Brewers paying Ryan Braun $15 million next season were about the same as me uh, going on a date with Taylor Swift this weekend. So, um, you know, there's absolutely no shock there. Um, you know, no nobody in their right mind thought that that option was going to get picked up. Even if he would have had like a career of the year this year, I just, with everything going on in the world, and I'm not just talking about, you know, baseball, uh, look at the economics, look at, you know, the revenue, the question marks about next season. Uh, there's just no way that option was going to get picked up. So yeah, you're right. It did, you know, get some people to perk up and maybe for some great Twitter fodder and I break from all the, the political hubris that's out there right now. But, there's absolutely uh, no surprise to that decision. Do you have a gut feeling on whether Ryan Braun's done playing baseball or not? I mean, if I'm stepping back and looking at this, first of all, I don't think we're going to have a decision for a couple of months yet. Um, I think it, it, it hinges on what MLB decides to do with the designated hitter. If the DH is back in the National League uh, next season, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that if he can work something out with the Brewers, uh, uh, sure, I think they would bring it back for, for one year. Um, if there's no fans in the stands, then then I don't really know. Um, but I, I don't think there's going to be any kind of decision until 
you know, baseball kind of has a, a concrete plan for what it's going to do, not just with the DH, but just in general in 2021. Um, from a, I was having this conversation with somebody. I've always felt like if Braun wants to be back, he's got a good enough – like this is not meant to be disrespectful to David Stearns, but if Braun wants to be back, the relationship with the Antanasio family – might kind of transcend that where they'll they'll figure out a way they'll figure out a number i've had people say to me though that hey look look at what's going on look at the lack of money that's being spent this year there's a possibility that they would not offer braun the money to be back i just i i cannot fathom a world where money is the thing that would stop braun from being back with the brewers where where do you stand on that do you do you agree with me or do you agree with uh, some other people out there who think that money could be an issue in all this I I don't think it could be an issue, but then again, you know, what do I know? Because, you know, I've never made that kind of money. Um, you, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to think. I would like to think that his relationship with uh, the Atanasio family will, will play a factor in. I'd like to think that he's not going to, you know, hardline the team to, to, you know, break the bank considering the situation the franchise is in and considering, you know, his situation and where he's at. Um, you know, you'd like to think that, but optimism in sports is usually a dangerous thing. All right. So, what was more eye-opening was probably the the other decisions that were made this week. Uh, the club option on Eric Sogard was declined. I don't. That's not eye-opening. He did not have a very good season. He certainly did not do what the team was expecting him to do. Uh, they also don't pick up the option on Ben Gamble, but he's still under club control, so there's a very good chance that he's back at a lesser number. But the one that was a bit surprising was they don't pick up an option on Jed Jerko, which was four and a half million dollars. I think he's getting a $1 million buyout if I've got that right. So essentially it's, it would have been a $3.5 million commitment. It, what does that tell you for what he was able to do for the club this year as one of the most consistent offensive players playing positions of need for this team and they're not willing to spend that money on him? What does that indicate uh, about this club and about how spending is going to probably be down across Major League Baseball? I, I think that that's exactly what it says. No one knows uh, what this off season is going to be like. You know, we, we were so caught up the last couple of years on you know the money that wasn't spent and, and the kind of you know economic shift in the game, but this just throws everything into a loop. Remember, you know nobody was really getting uh, aside from the TV money. No one was really making any money this year. You say what you want about millionaires and billionaires. Losing money is losing money, uh, and when you're losing money, you're not inclined to spend it, no matter how much you have. So, no one in baseball seems to be picking up options right now. Um, I think it's just the Brewers don't really know yet what their what their budget's going to be next year. They don't really know what the landscape is going to look like. Uh, I, I think they would love to have Jed Jerko back, but if they're not picking up a four and a half million dollar option, you know, that tells me that. There are a lot of question marks going into the next season, not just for the Brewers, but teams all over the league. Yeah, is that, that's where I want to go with you next because I just 
Look, they they paid players for 60 games this past year. I'm not saying they made money, um, but they they were able to get through the postseason with the expanded postseason. They, they got close to a billion dollars out of that. Uh, they 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 did. I I don't I don't think they did horribly. They if they lost money, I I just they didn't make as much as they were going to make. But I feel like all things considered, they they did okay. But they probably can't pull that off two years in a row, and there's so many. You know, they don't know if fans are going to be allowed in the stands next year. They don't know how many fans are going to be allowed. And for a team like the Brewers that do rely on the gate so much, and and the money that's spent, you know, not not just the ticket sales, but walking in and buying a hot dog, walking into the team store and dropping a couple hundred dollars on a jersey, whatever it might be. To me, it almost feels like right now what's going on with the uncertainty is almost it's almost fear based, just in the sense that you don't know what you're going to have or what you're not going to have next year. And that, that's right. Um, it's, it's it's a little unnerving. Uh, I assume it's unnerving, even more so for fans than it is for for the folks in the front office. But it's just it's hard to, to sit here and say, okay, let this is our plan when you. Just you just don't even know if there's going to be a season. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, we're all kind of glossing over. Uh, baseball made it through the year, and, and that is an incredible accomplishment. And I, I don't care what anyone wants to say to nitpick or, or, or naysay about it. Yeah, okay, there were there were shutdowns. Uh, you had the Marlins thing, the Cardinals thing, you had the Justin. I get, I get all that stuff happened, and, and to those, you know, who were hoping that was going to be the death knell for baseball. Sorry, they made it through the year. Um, uh, what happens now between now and, and February 17th when pitchers and catchers report, who knows? You know, this this could get a lot worse, and I'll, I'll find point to that. Uh, I, it, it just, it, if you're David Stearns right now, I don't know, like, what he's doing in his office because, I mean, for a guy who – is as organized and, and, and plan-oriented and, and, and just kind of meticulous as he is, this has to be just driving them up the wall. Yeah. Because there's absolutely nothing he can do that, that, that can, you know, let him move forward with whatever plan that he has until there's some sort of better idea from the higher-ups and powers that be. And I don't think that's going to come until at least the new year. I I hate having these conversations because people are going to accuse me of being a you know a fear monger, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. There is a possibility that one of these vaccines that's in development right now works, and they're able to get widespread distribution, and our world really starts to look more normal sooner than later. That's a possibility, but the exact opposite of that is a possibility as well, and that's clearly some concern that we're, we're not going to be much more forward from where we are right now once the season gets started next year. And I just, I look back, you know, th- this past year when they play 60 games, it felt like when the negotiations were going on between players and owners, the owners were basically saying, and Rob Manfred were basically saying, okay, if we do a 60-game regular season, we'll lose money on the regular season, but then we'll be able to recoup that in the postseason, and they eventually got the expanded postseason to make even more money. If we're in the exact same spot next year, I don't know if they can play a 162-game schedule because then you're, you're two and a half, three times as many regular season games that you're probably losing money on. All of a sudden, that postseason money doesn't make up as much as what it did with the season that just got done. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, 
you know, it's hard to say. It, it, I'm sitting here, I'm grasping at straws because, you know, for a lot of us that, that cover these teams, you know, we're kind of mercenaries and yeah. we're hired as is. So how many games are there going to be? That, that's the other question. If there is a season, how many games will be? Will they be able to play a full season next year? Will they have to delay the start again? It's just, there, there are so many questions right now that we could, we could do this podcast for 48 hours straight yep. and we still would have only scratched the surface. Yeah, and again, I'm not again. I, I hate. I, I want to get into this because the news of the week was the fact that they did uh, decline the options on all those players. But you're right, and I think what we can all hope for, you, you know, you you and me, we we lost a hundred games of baseball regular season games this year, and and, and nobody's going to cry for us, but. It, so did the ushers, and so did the ticket takers, and so did uh, the concession workers. And I know there was a fund put together to help those people, but I'm sure it did not make them, you know, fully whole. And it's going to be different again next year. So it's just a, I think as a community, we can all just be so very hopeful that somehow, some way, things start to look a little bit more normal as we get closer to what would be opening day next year. You're right, man, and that's one of the things that it's really kind of driven me nuts over the last year. I've I've heard people say time and time again, it's usually on social media, out about well, well, who cares that there's not sports? There's bigger problems than billionaires not getting to play a game. And I get that. Like I, you know, I'm right there with you. But you hit the nail. I hate to use the cliche again, but you're right. You look at the ushers. You look at the these are people who. You know, this is not their career. They're probably doing this as a second job. They're doing this because, you know, their kids are off to school. They're trying to make extra money to, to cover tuition and room and board. Or it's students who are out there trying to, to cover their books. Or so, you know, These are people who are, are, are doing this. They're trying to so, add to their living. So that's the thing that really concerns me with all of this. And it may seem high in the sky or, you know, whatever, but like, I feel really bad. I'm thinking about teams uh, and kind of slipping away from baseball here and thinking about teams like the Admirals and teams like the Lays and teams like the Chinooks and yeah. teams like the Timber Rattlers who have had absolutely nothing this year. and are, They don't have multi-million dollar contracts with, with broadcast networks to, to fall back on. So it's, it's really, and again, I know there are bigger, bigger issues from this in society. I get that. But we're a sports, you're a sports podcast. We're talking sports. So before people light us up on Twitter. Um, this is, it's really unsettling. It's unsettling for people in the front office. It's unsettling for players. It's unsettling for fans. It's unsettling for everyone because we just don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen between now and February. You're right. You're right. And it, it, it does matter. It is important. Is it the most important thing in the world? No, but is it important? Yes. Like we don't need to we don't need to discount things just because there are some other things that are that are more important. And you mentioned the Admirals this past week. The AHL said that they're going to start the season uh, right there in early February. I think February second was the date. We can all be really hopeful, but the idea of fans in the stands for those games is a question mark. And that's an organization that I would think would have a really hard time surviving through an extended period of time of being forced to play games, being forced to travel, but not being able to have fans in the stands. Absolutely. You know, it's tough. It's absolutely tough. And you think about the people that work for those teams, they're out there busting their hump trying to keep, you know, they got to go out there and try and keep their season ticket holders in a time where people are, 
getting laid off and people are looking for work and, and people can't go to work. So, you know, again, it's, yes, it's just a game, but it has a pretty big impact on our community and our economy. And beyond all that, I mean, how much do people miss just being able to sit in the parking lot and have a beer and go and watch a game? I tell you what, the one thing that was weird to me all year, um, aside from just like all of the stuff that we had to do in terms of like health screening and the different, uh, you know, approaches to the press box and the, and the distancing and the, the emptiness was the smell. Like I lived with about a mile away from Miller park. So, you know, on big days and people are out there right as the sun comes up tailgating, I can open my front door and I can smell the grills mm-hmm. in the parking lot. You can smell, there's a certain smell when you walk into a stadium, be it stale beer, or stale popcorn or the grills or whatever you want to call it. There's a smell when you walk into a ballpark that you don't find in any other facility in the universe, and it wasn't there this year. And that, that to me, was the biggest sign that there's just something strange going on in the universe right now. When you don't have that smell, and it was just, it was just eerie all year long. All right, let me finish you off with this, and I think this could be a positive thing. Maybe you'll disagree with me. The Brewers love doing one-year contracts with veteran players or sometimes that one-year contract with the club option. Uh, This is going to be a year where players are probably going to be looking at one-year contracts because teams aren't going to be spending money. Is there a scenario, is there a way where maybe actually the finances actually could be somewhat beneficial from a baseball standpoint to the Brewers in the sense that they may have some shots at some one-year deals on players that in most normal years would be looking for those three, four, five-year contracts? Well, you know, and I I was thinking about this just the other day, and we've seen this happen before in Milwaukee. I mean, how did Yasmani Grandal end up with the Brewers? On a one-year deal, yeah. Uh, they, they, they got him on that one-year deal. They got Mike Moustakis back on the one-year deal. You know, there, there was so much scratching last year when David Stearns went out and signed all those guys. Justin Smoke and Ryan Healy, who's now been outrighted, and Brock Holper for spring. You know, these are all, oh, these are all nobody. Well, that's, you know what? Fuck, those guys did not pan out. And, okay, but now... You're not paying the next season and the season after that and the season after that. If you signed a guy to a multi-year deal uh, who had a bigger name and a bigger paycheck, you're still on the hook and hoping they turn it around next year. With those one-year deals, you're not tied in long-term. So you know, you, you can say it didn't work out uh, immediately for the Brewers, but it sure as heck didn't hurt them. And, yeah, you're right. Now they're in a position where they could do like they did two years ago and use that to press market to their advantage and go out and, and make an impressive offer to someone they might not normally have a chance for. It could very well work out that way. Yeah, and a lot of moves that David Stearns made last offseason did not work. Now, would have they worked in a conventional 162-game season? We don't know. We don't know if Justin Smoke would have looked different. We don't know if Eric Sogard would have looked different. We don't know the answers on any of those questions. But the bottom line is some of those deals he made didn't work, but that being said, he's got a really good track record, and now all of a sudden, if he's got the opportunity to go after some guys that he normally doesn't, that could make next year's team interesting. He's he's a guy that that, that I want to be in control of the having control of the baseball operation in a situation like this. Absolutely, I was looking the other day at at, at what Mike Mustakas's numbers were, and obviously, he's a guy that Brewers 
certainly would have loved the half back. And I don't think it was a matter of them being cheap and not getting it. Now, again, I'm not in the state what people may think. I'm not in the room with David Stearns when he makes the offers. I, I would like to be, but it's just not how it works. I don't think it was a matter of them being cheap. I think it was a matter of Cincinnati was willing to, quote-unquote, overpay. Yeah. And it's one of those situations where Mike Moustakis might be great this year. He was not great. He was okay, from what I recall, but he wasn't. I don't think having him having him on the roster would not put the Brewers in the World Series this year. No, I think that's fair to say. So, you know, would you want to have you always got to look at the tail end of that contract. It might be a great contract right now, but how will that contract look in its last season or, or the two seasons before that? So that's the way I look at that. And the same thing with the Osmani, who, you know, I just think he got the first offer that came to him, you know, that was multi-year. I think he just took it. Again, I don't have any inside information on that, but it's one of those things you look at his numbers this year. They were better than, obviously, Omar Navaez. But how good would that deal be three years down the road? When you're in Milwaukee, you have to think like that. You have to think on both tracks. Is it going to help me now? Okay. Is it going to hurt me later? Well, maybe. At least the way that Stearns went, he did go out there and overpay for the sake of overpaying, and he didn't sign someone for the sake of signing someone. And if it didn't work, as we saw, he was able to cut ties and go back at it. Absolutely. Moustakis and Grandal might have had better years in Milwaukee than they had where they were at, but neither of them put up good numbers, and I do think that those contracts will not look great at the end. I'm, I'm ha- you know, For Mike Moustakis to get that kind of money, for Yasmani Grandal to get that kind of money, I'm super happy for them personally, but you're right. I, I think those contracts at the end of them might not look great. Uh, Andrew, we will uh, we will do this again as the offseason moves along. I encourage people to, of course, uh, follow you on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner uh, as uh, Brewer Stuff Breaks. Uh, read in the Wisconsin State Journal again contributor to uh, Forbes Sports as well always appreciate your time and your insight and uh, we look forward to talking again real soon sounds good man you take care Andrew Wagner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile let me just repeat that that conversation kind of look it went down the rabbit hole of what things could look like from a very negative perspective I want to be really clear Things might not look like that. There, There is a possibility that by the time baseball season is here, our world is looking a lot more normal than it's looking right now, right? But that's not a guarantee, and it does feel like baseball is making decisions based off kind of that worst-case scenario right now. And until there is concrete evidence that things will, will for sure turn around prior to the season getting started, I think that's largely going to be the way that they operate. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe maybe something's going to happen. Free agency is open. Maybe something's going to happen between now and next week's program. My thanks to Andrew Wagner. My thanks to you for being tuned in. I look forward to talking to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.